Welcome to the Art and Science of Joy podcast. This podcast is all about inspiring people to live more joyfully. So if you're seeking a bit more joy in your own life or seeking to bring some more joy to the lives of others, then this podcast could well be for you. And welcome to the Year of Joy series, in which I talk to experts on special powers, which we call joy superpowers, each and every one of us can cultivate in order to build more joy into our lives. I'm Andrew Cannon, and I have the honor to be your host. And in this episode, I'm excited to be talking with Hayley Smith on the joy ingredient of mental well-being, and specifically about the joy superpower of transforming strategy into triumph. Hayley is a best-selling author, transformation guide, speaker, and accelerated evolution academy master coach and trainer with a deep passion for guiding her clients towards their natural state of joy, Hades' approach is to make room for joy by helping people let go of limiting beliefs and negative emotions that hold them back from embracing their true selves. Hades' best-selling book, Making Friends with the Boogeyman, is packed with her powerful insights and practical strategies for navigating difficult emotions and life challenges drawing on her own personal experience with intense childhood trauma, anxiety, and addiction, Hayley offers readers candid choice stories and empowering tools to reclaim their personal power and create an extraordinary life full of abundance, peace, love, and joy. And who doesn't want more of that? Welcome to the show, Hayley. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Andrew. What a, what a pleasure. I just... I'm thrilled with um, a year of joy, just putting that whole message out there. Bless you and Debbie and all your team. Oh, thank you so much. And we're so so grateful to have you collaborating with us on the Year of Joy project. Um, you are very much appreciated. So let's dive into this massive topic really about transforming tragedy to, to triumph. And maybe a good place is to start, which you alluded to, in your own bio about your own journey with tragedy and if you don't mind sharing about that. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I'm here to uh, share what I have been through in with the intention of uh, demonstrating what's possible as, as was done for me, right? I learned so much from other people who were willing to be vulnerable with their struggles and their solutions, right? That's such an important piece is to um, spend more time on the solutions, to spend more time on the joy. However, we need the context, as you say. So uh, tragedy, uh, you know, challenging childhood, um, uh, one of the largest challenges was um, an intense experience that involved my mother and uh, that shut me down. It's, it closed off the joy. Definitely. I, it's filled me, filled me with anger and, uh, distrust for the world. Um, yeah, I, I was, it, it, it was, it was a shock to my family because they didn't know what happened. And, um, you know, in recent years when I told my dad what happened, he's like, Oh, that makes sense because, you know, you went from being this happy-go-lucky child to this angry, like, you know, un just resentful acting out. We didn't know what to do with you, but now it all makes sense. And 
Yeah. So that was the thing is, you know, uh, I had this terrible experience and it informed everything that I did. Um, so like I said, there was a lot of anger and I didn't have anyone to help me, uh, with how to cope with that. And so I moved into addiction because that's what I saw. And that's what I learned is I used drugs and alcohol to shut down all of these intense emotions that I had. So obviously I'm sorry to, to hear about your, your own experience. Um, obviously very challenging to go through such an intense childhood experience, which as you said, sort of impacts us for a long time. If we don't have anybody to, to talk to. And it, it seems strange that, you know, children especially f seem very vulnerable to this and they're sort of almost not believe as it were if they try to tell somebody about an intense experience i don't know if that's something that you can relate to as well sort of this as a child trying to speak up and not being heard or was it something you just shut down totally and didn't even bother to talk about? i just yeah the decision that i made is that adults were not trustworthy that was it. Like anybody in authority back then, that was, you know, I did not trust anyone. It was all, it was all on like what I took was that I had to do everything myself. That was one of the, the stories. And um, when I did eventually tell somebody about it, which I think it was about five years, something like that, nothing was done. Nothing was done. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I look back now and when I told someone, I, I, I could have done things differently. Right. And it's not about blaming myself because I certainly don't, but it is recognizing that I have a part in every situation. And back then the choice I made, which was the best choice I could make at the time. Right. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's doesn't serve us to go back and well, I should have done this. And because the mm -hmm. mind that's making that decision now, you know, uh, that wasn't the person I was back then. So it, it's it's unfair to do that to ourselves. It is, it is. And as I said, you know, many people I've talked to in had similar experiences and have spoken up, you know, they have the situation where, yeah, they weren't believed that the generally the adult voice. So they end up in the same place um, quite often anyway of, of finding um drugs, alcohol, other addictions as a way to to dampen the pain, I suppose, and to escape from a situation they don't know how to deal with. So is this common? Is this something you come up um, against often during your work? Yes, These sort absolutely. of childhood I'm... intense experiences. Yeah, well, even bigger than that, I mean, uh, the people that I work with are uh, – they experience emotion deeply, as did I, you know, I am a sensitive being. And so the, the people that I work with are very sensitive. And so as children, we're, we're wide open and our emotions are big and beautiful. And, you know, I got the messages that that was too much, too much, too much. And so it's, you know, I was, the journey was shutting that all down, like, you know, it wasn't okay to be exuberant. It wasn't okay to be as angry as I was, you know, so that was what my experience was. And so 
you know, when we spend years shutting ourselves down and then we're in adults and we, we're not in touch with who we are. We can't, you know, we can't find out our purpose. Uh, we don't trust ourselves. Um, you know, we, we can't let people close to us. Intimacy is a challenge. These are the things that happen, um, when you've shut down because if you shut down one part of yourself, you don't know what the impact is. Like so many areas become shut down, you know, like our initial, um, survival instinct is to, you know, okay, this hurts. So I'm going to shut this down. But as we get older, everything has been shut down. And so then it becomes, uh, you know, a journey of reclaiming all of these things. Mm. So, you know, that's really looking at some of these sort of negative impacts that this tragedy can have on us and so not dealing with it. So I, I like this concept. I don't like it, but I, I, I like the, the way you talk about this shutting down sort of feeling because I think that's something I recognize from my own journey that you block it or in my case I I I got a strong ego out to protect myself uh so that was sort of my go-to way of of dealing with this and and shutting down and that has an obviously huge impact because that leads you down the path of overprotecting yourself and blaming others and finding fault everywhere else. Um, it can't be your fault, right? Because you've got this little boy inside of you, in my case, to protect. So the ego takes over and comes up with all these wonderful reasons why somebody else gets to be blamed for this. So I suppose shutting down is one. Do you often also see this concept? I've heard a lot about people being a victim and taking yes. on this sort of victim mentality. Tell me a bit about that from your experience. Well, I mean, all of these things have their purpose. Like being a victim is necessary uh, in life. Like if something is done to you, there is a place for having that experience and going through that. What happens uh, is when we hold on to that identity and, um, you know, we see ourselves permanently as a victim. Um, the longer we hold on to that identity, the more it wreaks havoc with our lives because it's not natural. The natural state is to move through it, to allow it to serve its purpose and then move on. And so this is, you know, actually a big uh, part of, of what I do with people is when we are spending time in victim, as I did in my experience, I gave all my power away. Right. Mm. So, you know, if I'm waiting for someone else to do something for me to feel better, that is ridiculous when you look at it logically, right? That like, was it Nelson Mandela that said, um, you know, resentment is like drinking poison and expecting someone else to die. It doesn't work. Mm. It doesn't work. And so when people um, come to me, that's, that's an important um, strategy that, I introduce to them is like to explore any of those victim feelings and, you know, allow them to be heard and learn what, what is the purpose there? What is the gift? What's good in that situation? Yeah. And then take that because when you are the one that is, uh, you know, responsible for your happiness, 
That means that you get to do whatever it takes to be happy and no one can stop you. Mm, so reclaiming your power um, in a way. So we've got this shutting down. We've got this victim sort of holding on to being a victim, making that part of your identity. I think you talked about as two things, which then have these knock-on negative effects. I think you mentioned um, obviously addictive behavior being, being one, and then you mentioned negative impact on relationships as well, I think, as another. Are there any other ways sort of this can sort of have a knock-on negative effect on, on people's lives if they don't start to overcome these intense experiences or tragedies? Well, the, the most important relationship is with yourself. And, I mean, this has a huge impact on you. You know, learning how to best take care of yourself, right, to – um, recognize that whatever you've done in the past was necessary. You did the best that you could at the time. And now you're in a place in your life where these strategies that you uh, created, you know, decades ago are not serving you. And in fact, they're causing suffering. And so it's like learning to, uh, you know, self Compassion is a major lesson that is, uh, you know, it just is such a powerful thing to give to ourselves, to be kind to ourselves the way that we are kind to others. I mean, when I um, meet people that have experienced tragedy, they are, you know, their hearts are huge. They have so much kindness and love for other people. However, because they've shut down for from whatever it is they haven't had yet yet dealt with, they're not giving that compassion to themselves. And they mm -hmm. tend to be really hard on themselves. Yes. Yeah, I can definitely see that as, as a pattern, that, that people who have that intense experience can do that. And, and you know, obviously we talk here about very intense things that, that happened. But I presume at some level everybody has some form of, tragedy some form of intense experience in their lives so i presume all of our listeners in, to some degree can relate to what we're talking about today i would i would agree with that totally it, it's ultimately now that i've been doing this uh you know as my vocation what i see is it's not about the event it's about mm. the impact it's having on your life now so no one uh, it doesn't matter what other people think about the situation. What matters is what you think about it and how it's impacting you. And so if something is holding you back from experiencing the joyful being that you are, then it's time to address that. It's time to find support and guidance uh, to just, you know, make room for joy. As I, as I say, it's like it's just moving things out of the way to allow your authentic self to blossom again. I think that's really important um, because I think many people can belittle their experiences and say, oh, you know, this isn't, there's a lot more suffering in the world. You know, that person over there is suffering much more than I am, that group over there. And then they sort of get stuck and they don't then feel enough pain, I suppose, to put the effort in to do the work to find the joy 
that they could find. So I'd encourage everybody on the call to to feel into the moment. I think, as Hayley said, not to focus necessarily on what your experiences were, but where you are at the moment and whether you're stuck or whether you're, you know, um, experiencing life with your true, authentic self 100%. And if you are fantastic, um, but keep moving, keep moving. Don't stop there. I think that's also a, well, a good lesson. <laughs> yeah, for all of those people that are in that place where they are, you know, they're living life out loud. I love that saying. You are a beacon for all the other mm. people in the world that haven't gotten there yet, right? I mean, my belief is that we will all get there. And it's like, how fast do you get there? And when you take an active role in your happiness, when you're taking ownership of your life and what's working, what's not working, then you get to get, you get there faster. So notice well, what you praying. want. Like we And you bring others along. Right? I exactly. think that's what you said. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. So let's talk about the benefits. We talked a bit about some of the negative aspects of not doing this, of not creating this triumph but let's focus our minds now on we're getting there we're finding a way to move from the tragedy into the triumph what sort of benefits can we expect um, to come into our lives as a result of doing this work uh common things are happiness feeling more joy um a lot of times like energetically people will be exhausted because they've been holding on to these things for so long, like our energies are, pardon me, our emotions are energy in motion. And so the mm. natural state is for us to move through these emotions. Like fear is necessary. That's why we have it. Fear protects us. What happens again, like I said earlier, is when we are, you know, clutching onto the fear and stuck in it. That's not the intention. The intention is to learn what the fear has to offer us and move forward. You know, anger is nature's motivator. Anger is the alarm that tells us something isn't working. And it gives us that boost, that energy boost to stand up, to say, you know, speak our truth. It gives us the energy to do things differently. That is anger and it's positive as long as we're moving through it and not, you know, getting stuck in projecting it on others or causing others harm. Um, so these, when we're holding on to these things, as I was, and as I've seen with other people, when you, um, you explore these emotions and you look through them, what do they have to offer, express them, learn the message. People have all of this energy. <laughs> Right? All of this life energy that's been locked up. And, you know, it's it's a beautiful thing to witness that. That's amazing. Um, and I can relate to that, the energy that you get, the that boost um, from moving into that space is amazing. And it, it's a gift that can be shared energetically as well. So, again, it has a huge impact on your relationships, on on people around you. Um, I think if you wake up in the morning full of energy and a joy for life, um, that's not only a gift for yourself, but a, a gift for, for others. Um, are there any more sort of concrete benefits you feel people can expect from 
moving in this direction? Uh, yeah, relationships, huge changes in relationships. Like when you feel uh, more comfortable in your skin, right? Which is what, what all of this work is a journey into ourselves and getting to know who we are. Like I said, that relationship with self is so important. When I trust myself, when I love myself, then I am more loving with others. I have more trust with others. Uh, you know, I'm noticing the amazing things in the people around me. And so, uh, you know, letting go of resentments in relationships just allows for more love to bloom. And so mm. people are, uh, yeah, enjoying life in, in their relationships more when they're doing this work. Well, that sounds pretty good. So it's it's good for you and it's good for the people around you. So it seems like a, a no-brainer in a way, as I think they say in America. Um, or is that just something I say? I don't know. Anyway, the, the question that it's came no to me <laughs> next around that was that this is so obvious. Um, why aren't we doing it? And I suppose one of the reasons is that change is hard and especially doing change alone um, is hard. So, you know, what can you recommend for people who are maybe listening and thinking, oh, I really love what Hayley's saying, but I don't know how to go about it. Are there any sort of resources or pointers you could, could share with our listeners? Yeah, well, the biggest tip uh, for me and, you know, the biggest starting point for everyone that I work with is being willing to look at the challenges differently. And so, you know, you have given me an amazing opportunity to share tools and strategies through a year of joy on how to start thinking differently, how to use these challenging situations um, to find joy, how to find the joy in the challenging situations. And that starts by looking at them for what is good in that situation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was looking for the good in everything around me except for the intense experience from my childhood because it felt like it was too big or it was too bad and ugly. That's, that's why I called my book Making Friends with the Boogeyman because it was terrifying. But once I made friends with the boogeyman, that's how I was able to transform tragedy into triumph. Because exploring the situation from a different angle, asking questions like, you know, what good came out of this? And I've I've shared an exercise on that. Um, uh, will will be you you're kind enough to uh, share an article that I wrote about this with with the audience. Um, so just taking time to explore things from a different point of view and being willing to see everything in your life as happening for you instead of to you. And so looking for those things, because ultimately everything is, is your perspective. Everything is the choices that you make. You decide what your story is. And you can make it a hero's story or you can make it a victim's story or you can make it a hero's story. And, you know, that is 
I, I get excited about that because when I see people taking charge of their happiness, the way that they, you know, take charge of, you know, their career or, um, you know, they're looking after their family. When people take charge of looking after themselves with the same, you know, excitement and enthusiasm that they care for other people. I mean, the shifts are extraordinary. Wow. It's amazing. And I love the, the way you mentioned story here. Um, and I'm so happy that within the year of joy, we have, um, Karen Golden talking about stories and storytelling and how to, how to write your own story, how to tell your own story. So these two go really nicely together. I love the way you talked about changing your mindset from life happening to you to life happening for you. Just one little word changes everything, right? Um, so I think the language is important, the way we talk about ourselves and the way we talk about our experiences, or, or do we talk about our experiences? I think many people shut them down, as you say, and not going to talk about that boogeyman to anybody, right? Say so deny some degree. So do you find talking about things, does that help if you had like a coach or somebody to talk to? Do you find that tends to help people get through their experiences rather than trying to do it alone? Absolutely. You need support. Uh, I feel that we, you know, I'm in recovery and they say life is a we program. We don't do it alone. And so oh. life is just much easier when you learn to ask for help. But that was one of the most uh, beautiful lessons that I learned. It's just, yeah. you know, like making that shift from life is hard to, you know, life is beautiful. And part of life being beautiful is um, inviting people to share in your experience. And, um, you know, talking about what you've, what you've been through and owning what's happened in your life and, you know, looking for ways to um, find the advantage in what you've been through because we can't change the past. We know that it's all, it's, it, it's done. And so what we decide to do with it today, that's the exciting thing. And so, you know, the type of, of coaching that I do is all about action. So people embracing themselves, loving who they are, uh, you know, accepting the emotions that they have, expressing them like, it's okay to be angry. It's it's perfectly acceptable to be afraid. You know, um, trusting someone with your shame and letting that out of your body and learning the positive purpose of that because even shame has a positive purpose. And then when you know that, you get to do things differently and then your life is different. And you can start today, right? Even if that was five minutes ago, five years ago, or 50 years ago, that intense experience, it doesn't matter, right? It's what matters is where we move from here. What's our next move? Um, and I think one of my coaches from early on, you know, told me the, uh, the wise words that standing still isn't an option because um, the world's moving forward. So if you're standing still, you're actually going backwards. So... You know, your only option is to move forward, but to decide how you want to move forward, that's totally in your power. 
to make that choice and to own, take ownership of that choice, I think is the call to action that you're encouraging people here to do when they look at their tragedies and their intense experiences to say, okay, that's fine. But what do I do next? What do I do with this knowledge that Haiti has now given me to, to move forward? Yes, it's, it, it's about embracing all of you, right? And that includes the things that you don't want to look at, that you're afraid to look at. So this is, you know, getting support to do that so that you can accept all of you. And that's, you know, that's the bottom line is when I am accepting everything about myself and recognizing that all of it is useful. All of it is actually you know, my, my anger, my fear, my shame, my sadness, these are all servants to me. I am the master, right? And so that was the big shift for me because my emotions used to run me. And so now where I am is like, I, you know, I have love and respect for the emotions, but I'm the one that's in charge. And when you get to a place where, um, you've explored these things that you've been pushing down. And so they're fight, you know, there's this, there's this um, compulsion for them to be expressed when, when that's addressed and you get back to homeostasis, then the emotions come and they don't run you anymore because you see the value in them and you can use them to your advantage. And that is a whole new topic using emotions to our advantage. And so we will have to save that one, unfortunately, for another chat. Uh, it's been such a pleasure talking with you today. I've enjoyed this. I've learned a lot from, from listening to you, and I, I believe our listeners had to. So thank you for sharing your thoughts. Haley, one question we always like to ask our, our guest really is a simple question of what brings you joy? Oh, bless you. Yes, I was looking... Forward to talking about joy. Um, what brings me joy? Uh, being myself. I was hanging out with uh, a friend of over 20 years last night, and we were just being goofy and laughing all these different ways and just, you know, dancing, laughing. Music brings me joy. You know, connecting with people brings me joy. Being outside in nature. It's so beautiful. Any kind of beauty nature clothes <laughs> shoes my husband thinks it's crazy but beauty brings me joy my dog love love brings me joy oh man such such a wonderful list of things hopefully our listeners can find some inspiration from those and, and go find their own and ask themselves what brings me joy and there's a, a million things in the world you can find joy from so it's a bottomless pit fortunately so Thank it you once is, again. It is a smorgasbord. Yeah. A, smor a smorgasbord of joy. Everybody can go and create their own joy cocktail, as we like to say, or joy meal out of all these wonderful ingredients. Well, thank you once again, Haley. It really has been a pleasure and a joy to chat with you today. Thank you so much, Andrew. And I hope you, our listeners, enjoyed the podcast episode as much as I have. And I hope you feel inspired to work on your intense experiences, to move forward, as Heidi would say. And if so, please check out the show notes for links to Heidi and her resources. If you are already a member of the Year of Joy community, please join us in the community forum 
where over the next few weeks we'll be working together on integrating some of Hades' tips into our lives, which should be a lot of fun. And if you're not already a member of the Europe Joy community, please visit the art and science of joy.com website to find out more and give it a go. It's free. And who doesn't like free stuff? Thanks once again for listening. And I hope you tune in for the next episode of the Art and Science of Joy podcast. Until then, stay well, stay joyful, and live in triumph.